Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of education research in the classroom. Each episode features a conversation with a different guest, teachers, authors and others interested in education, talking about what the phrase from page to practice means to them and the importance of applying evidence to classroom practice. Hi and welcome to Series 5, Episode 19 of From Page to Practice. In this episode, I have a great chat with Andrea. Andrea lives in Australia and applies her reading about education to supporting her children with their studies outside of the classroom. Hi and welcome to From Page to Practice. This morning I am talking to Andrea. Now Andrea is on the other side of the globe to me and this has been a bit of a uh, a coordination of times to make this work. But uh, Andrea, could you introduce yourself please? Yeah, hi, Beck. Um, I'm Andrea Baumgartner. As you said, I'm located in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm a mum to two children, um, a son who's seven and a daughter who's five. My son is in grade one and my daughter's in her final year at Montessori, so cycle three um, of Montessori. By training, I'm a lawyer. Um, and I have a a practice. Um, I focus on energy renewables and cancer biomarkers, the protection um, of them. So yes, that's a little bit about me. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully in a minute it's going to become clear to people why why we're having this conversation today, because at a first glance this might seem a bit bit of, oh, this is different to usual. So uh, before we move on to that, uh, tell us, as we do with everybody, what does the phrase from page to practice mean to you? Well, I'm a long-time studier myself. I've got four degrees um, and I'm on my fifth. Um, so I've always really been a studier and I've always been one to take um, you know, information from the book and put it into practice as best I, I can. Um, so I've extended that um, practice, I guess, with my children um, as an after-schooler, Beck. So I read a lot of educational resor- research and um and books, educational um, books, and I try to pick what I can use from those, you know, evidence-based um, um, studies or, or books um, at home to help um, my children uh, with their studies and schoolwork. Yeah. Hopefully that's demystified for anybody who's thinking, hang on a minute, where's this going? You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. So, um, as you know, the, the main part of the podcast is always to talk about that the one thing that the, the the guest has come to talk about. So, for you, I'm assuming it will be all home ed kind of related. <clears throat> so, can you tell us, um, as seeing as most of the listeners to this podcast will be teachers, can you tell us a little bit about what it is you do, what kind of got you into doing more of this kind of, is it after school support for your children? It is. Um, I guess um, the first premise is that we are a Montessori family. We've been Montessori um, from birth. Um, And so 
um, as a part of that, we've um, really uh, limited the use of screens and, um, you know, we're always looking for things to do, you know, at, at home. And so a good place to start with that was to, um, you know, start with language, start with um, number, um, sense uh, and appreciation. And so it started from, you know, way back um, with all the um, – you know, sub, supertizing or subtizing, depending, you know, how you sort of uh, pronounce it. And then as the children sort of grew um, and became, you know, school ready, I've just translated that into really working with their educators at school, not to overstep the mark, but to support, you know, to support the, the learning in the classroom. I guess from my perspective, I think that, um, you know, learning happens um, in a classroom and practice can happen at home. And so um, it's for me, it's not about acceleration. Um, I want to demystify that, you know, as well. Um, it's just about um, um really taking what they learn at school, ensuring that there's an understanding, um, going broader and deeper, you know, with uh, knowledge and, um, you know, really using what um, research has found on the best ways to learn, that whole science of learning, and really, you know, encapsulating that in a home environment. So, um, yeah, uh, that's sort of, you know, broadly, you know, what I what I do. Yeah. yeah. So I think you've kind of already mentioned this when you've alluded to your academic background, but I guess what, mm. what made you decide I'm going to look into the, the evidence for this as well? You know, what, what made you think I, this is something I think is worth doing? Yeah, I guess maybe that comes from my legal training a little bit, you know, as well. Um, you know, I'm not one to, to follow um, uh, trends, you know, um, in, in fact, I quite like researching things that are a bit trendy and, and demystifying it to understand, you know, where it com comes from. So it, it quite often leads me down rabbit holes and, and warrants. <laughs> yeah. um, um, it's just to sort of understand, is there any merit, you know, to that? Um, and, um, yeah, so it, it really comes from that place of, um, you know, I guess trying to ensure that good learning happens, you know, like reducing the cognitive load, you know, um, and, um, you know, trying to get good habits, you know, with the children, you know, from a very young age. And, and also there's a love of learning. Like I love learning. My husband's also quite on the academic side. And so around us, our children just do this. People quite often will ask me back, you know, how do you get them to do all that reading? My son just finished reading his seven, a thousand page book, you know, He's he, he sees us reading all the time. He sees me studying. I'm studying Latin at the moment and I'm, I'm going to study Norse as well soon. Um, he sees us doing this, you know, and my daughter as well. And so it's just natural for them to, you know, to, to, to want to learn. Um, and so because there's that appetite, I'm like, well, I, I really, you know, have a um, – you know, almost like an obligation and a responsibility, you know, to ensure that that good learning, you know, is happening. Um, yeah. And, and so that's sort of where, it, you know, it comes from. I've read all the books. I've got 100 I've got 120 books, you know, uh, <laughs> from Dan Willingham through to Kate Jones, you know what I mean? Like to, you know, dual coding, I use it in my work, you know, I, I use it all the time to communicate. Yeah. 
So that was going to be my next main question, actually. Where do you tend to go to find these sources of good evidence to do with learning? And it sounds like you've got, you know, a, a good range of books there, but is there anything else you use or? I, um, I'm a bit of a, again, being low screen, I, 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 I'm a marginal minute user, so any, and I've always been like that. Um, if I've got five minutes, I'll listen to something or I'll read something. So um, I read uh, a lot, um, I, and, and that means um, articles, research, blog posts, you know, um, textbooks. Um, I also listen to an insane amount of podcasts because if I've only got a couple of minutes, I'll, I'll still get a snippet. Um, and then I'm always taking notes, you know, down in my phone or I record um, little audios to go and look it up. Um, so I have multiple sources, I guess, uh, of information. Um, and I like the detractors of, of um, science of learning people the most in some ways because it really, it challenges my, uh, my bias to then go, and uh, research it further but um, yeah yeah a combination books articles you know blogs um, social media um, Twitter or X as it's now you know sort of called um, uh, you know I'm bookmarking lots I've got long lists uh, yeah Rebecca, I'm going to pick up on the podcast list. bit yeah because I think you uh you share some podcast recommendations on on your Instagram account don't you I do Could you yes. tell us a little bit about that what made you do that ah uh, see I um I don't I uh, um I'm not a I'm not a very adept social media user which is ironic so I uh, what I have done forever with my children is um, I've always recorded um, their learning and I've always observed heavily. Um, and so what I what I started to do, and I was just doing that in paper form, and then what I started to do is I thought perhaps there's a, an audience out there um, of, of parents more than anything, you know, who may like to get some insight on how to make this work in a home environment. So I first started just sharing a lot of the Montessori stuff, you know, that I did at home. And then I transitioned it um, at the beginning of the year, I think it was, to more educational sort of research, um, which allowed me to share um, a more of the science, you know, the evidence sort of behind it. Um, and so I've pivoted quite a bit in that, you know, um, my Instagram. Um, I And I, I tend to follow what um, either what I'm doing with my children or something that I've listened to, something I've heard, little snippets um, and just to share, you know, and um, yeah, and, and I, because I love podcasts, I, I every week um, I'm on a little bit of a break because it's been um, school holidays here. Um, I'll share a podcast that I've, you know, listened to and why I think it's interesting and why someone should listen to it um, and um, something I've read you know, as well. And then I just finish it off with a little quote, you know, um, of something that sort of resonated, you know, to me. So, yeah, um, they're, they're purely coming from a place of my my own learning, you know, and it's almost like a journal, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, in fact, I was about <laughs> to say, I imagine you get quite a lot from that reflective practice of working out what to say about what you're sharing, just as much as you're hoping the audience are getting from it too, right? Exactly. And if no... Uh, I, I don't do it for followers and I don't do it for likes. I do it for my own, um, yeah, my, my own record keeping almost of what, you know, I've done and why I've done it. And it's um, a bit of a, a habit. It gives me a habit then to really think about what I've done and what I've read um, um, to then take it from the page 
into the practice, you know, so uh, of the home leading environment. Nicely, mm. <laughs> leading nicely from that, I guess, have you got an example of something you've read or done or listened to recently that kind of expl- kind of gives us a, a bit of an insight into how you're doing this? Yeah, I think um, probably one of the um, – you know, I follow a couple of people and um, – well, actually, I follow a lot of people. Um, and uh, um, one of the – I guess there's, there's always a little bit of debate around um, homework. And, look, my children, are, my children are quite young. You know, as I said, my son is seven. He's in grade one here in Australia. Um, they are not assigned homework per se other than reading, you know, Beck, and they get some spelling lists and things like that. And and people, you know, they get very haughty-taughty, you know, about homework. Um, and so, you know, I've read uh, quite a few things, you know, around um, the best practice of homework, you know, um, and how, how to best um, – utilize it in a home environment and so for me what um what I've done you know Beck is I've stopped calling it homework and I encourage other parents to stop seeing it as homework and just to look at it as practice you know it's taking what they're learning in the classroom where they're learning it in a very short period of time they don't always have a lot of time to practice you know what they've learned um let's say regrouping you know in maths you know when they're getting into double digit um additions and so what i do is i just say well let's practice that a little bit more and my children have really benefited you know from it it hasn't caused them any anxiety it hasn't caused them to um you know dislike doing it in fact they see the benefit because then things just become that little bit easier and then in the classroom you know things are a bit easier and then the extension is available you know to them and they quite like you know that so yeah that's one area i've really honed in on and read a lot of papers you know on and i've referred to them on my um on my Instagram account, you know, there as well. So Michael Pershing wrote about it with respect to um, mathematics um, um, and, um, you know, quite a few others. Dan Willingham has spoken quite a lot, you know, about um, homework. Um, Tom Sherrington speaks, you know, um, widely about um, homework and an Australian um, um, he's actually British actually but he's he now lives in Australia as well Greg Ashman so you know I kind of yeah um, so that's kind of one area where I've really taken it adopted it modified it and um, applied it here at home and it's just demystified it being homework <laughs> yeah sounds like a really really useful kind of reframing of it because actually you're right if they if they do that bit more practice it's not even about getting ahead it's about being where they need to be and being able to comfortably continue without making it kind of more stressful at school the next day the next week or whatever isn't it it is and I I I love to see them I know this is also perhaps um, a little ironic I love to see them make mistakes at home you know in their practice because for me that allows me then to really hone in on where any misconceptions are you know so it's um I think as a parent, you know, your your power is in the observation, you know, to see where the struggle, you know, sort of is or where the, the ease is coming, you know, sort of from. So for us, um, you know, I, I rarely frame things as good and bad, easy and hard, you know, is a better way to, to look at it. You know, um, some things come more easily, some things are a little harder and in the struggle comes, you know, you put some practice in and then it becomes easy, you know, and we just keep moving through. Um, the other thing I do with the homework is I, I 
do a lot of um, I treated a, a lot of um, work with retrieval. You know, so the um, really mixing in things that they've done at the beginning of the year and bringing it back around. You know, um, again, just to make secu- make it. Str- sure it's nice and secure if you like um you know in there because it's very hard to keep you know mathematics is hierarchical as you know you know it's one example and so it's really hard to keep progressing um along the train line if you haven't got you know those really base fundamentals you know uh down pat yeah absolutely and and i guess part of this is getting out your crystal ball and seeing into the future so i'm not necessarily suggesting you can can totally answer this but how do you think that will develop as your children get older and they move through different school settings do you hope to be able to to continue on in this same kind of way i do i i do think so um uh you know you're always, you know, you do learn alongside your children, you know, most certainly. Um, but I've also got a comment, uh, being a lawyer, um, I, I also have a, a commerce degree. Um, and, um, you know, I do a lot of mathematics for my job as well. Um, so I, I guess, um, you know, I hope to grow with them and learn with them. And I always, you know, look ahead at the curriculum. If I'm honest, I've done knowledge organisers for maths and English for the next six years until grade six. You know, I've looked at, yeah, I've looked at all out the curriculums in the pub that are available publicly. I've looked at them in Australia, in Victoria um, and in the UK. And I've just built out knowledge organisers, you know, in sheets. That's just the way I am. It's not because I need my children to be. Um, I just don't want them to struggle. I I love school and I love learning and I want them to love it as well. You know, my son, he he wants to be a bird watcher and a zookeeper. <laughs> you know, <Love> it. <laughs> he's he's um and he can see how you know learning now will help him do that if that makes mm-hmm. sense you know yeah because um, he wants to be able to keep the data on the endangered species and, and all these things so <laughs> um, we just will continue to grow with them and if I can't I'll outsource you know you always ask for yeah. help right yeah of course I imagine the answer to this is yes but is it something that you enjoy as opposed to oh, something that you it. feel obliged to doing causes you any extra stress it's a it's an enjoyment thing as well right it's really enjoyable for me um I love I've always loved you know um observing them and seeing where they're at and um yeah um yeah they're the most precious you know things to me and being able to share that learning and that experience is is um is a beautiful thing you know, and I guess what I want to do is to share that with parents, other parents, rather than seeing it as a drag or a chore, you know, uh, seeing the love of it, you know, that, that they can get from it. Because even if things are hard or there's a struggle, you know, you're observing them and, and that feedback that you can then take to their teachers could help identify some other learning, you know, um, challenges or, or issues. So, Yeah. Something we often talk about is is how we get from the page into practice, so how we actually go about implementing these things. And, and we know that some things we read don't apply to the children we, we want to use them with and things don't necessarily work out all the time. Is there anything that you've found you've tried and gone, oh, no, that's, that's not going to be for us, that's not going to work? No. Um, I guess I'm working with a sample size of two you know, of course, um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
And, you know, some things work, but like, um, you know, the, the think, pair, share, you know, um, you know, I, I love that concept. I, I, and I try to do it, um, with the children with a five and a seven year old. And so, um, the, the, you know, the pairing doesn't always work. So I sort of, you know, focus more on the share and I get my son to teach my daughter. Now, ironically, my daughter can, is, is better at telling the time on an analog clock as a five-year-old than my son. That's something that he has, you know, he's, he, has, he has found difficult. So she shares up. She shares with him. She's taught him and she's teaching him. So I think sometimes, um, you know, you can think that things don't work, but, you know, nothing is set in stone if you're flexible because children are flexible. They're remarkably flexible, you know, um, in their learning and their thinking. Um, I think you just need to model, you know, that that's, um, you know, that's how it is. So, yeah, I mean, I can't do big things. I can't, you know, we do do a lot of mini whiteboards. I've blogged about that. Um and um, we do, and my children will always, you know, walk around going, um, three, two, one, show your board, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, with anything in life, you know, like they, they're, they're very much, and, and we do the, the cold call or the no name, you know, sort of call as well when we're just doing, it's quite, you know, it's quite natural in our life that we will be driving along and then my son will say, you know, eight times eight mama you know and then that's my (laughs) just yeah yeah, just like from the front when I'm driving you know I'll have a a, and and so um these are all things that are done in a classroom setting but in a sample size of two may not be you know um you seem you know like they're super beneficial but they work you know what I mean like um we've sort of just uh, adapted them um and that just gets them both thinking because I, I like the science behind that I love that Doug, Doug Lamov, you know teach like a champion I love a lot of his techniques um and that keeps both my daughter and my son thinking about that question that I've asked them or how to spell something or to talk about you know something that we've done you know for the day or we've learned so yeah so yeah and I guess not every, a process something, of oh. Sorry, I was just going to say things fall a bit flat, you know, but mm-hmm, for the most part you can, yeah. you know, they're not always the perfect souffle. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. That kind of fits with where I was going, actually. You say some things fall a bit flat, but then I guess there's a process of kind of reflection and go, okay, I won't do it quite like that next time. And you can learn from what the kind of key was that you read and adapt it as you go to make it work for you. Yeah, um, for next time, and um, um, I'm I'm never particularly wedded to you know it's not like there's a gold trophy at the end you know which says well you've you know you've done all of these things therefore you know um, that's a better way to do it if it's not working I I I stop and you know move on if that makes sense the other thing I do a lot of Beck is. Um, um, game, you know, um, board games, you know, and card and card games, board games, um, just incorporating, um, you know, place value, for example. There's lots of games out there that do that. Um, uh, reading, um, teaching grammar, you know, there's lots and lots of games. We've got over a hundred board games, you know, and I've set up spreadsheets, you know, which classify them all into, you know, different subjects and different topics, you know, and so. Yeah, if I feel like there's something that we need to be hitting on, you know, we'll get out, you know, that particular game, you know, and give that a go. Because, um, again, 
yeah, yeah, it's lots of fun. And they think it's fun and they're always up for a game. Um, and, yeah, you know, um, I think the low screen time means that we've got people don't realise how much time is actually spent watching TV or watching YouTube. Um, so we end up with a lot of time because we don't we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't lose that time into the black hole. I know. I know. I can easily sit down on a sofa, and then the next time I look up, where's that time gone? So I know. I understand that. I get that. Um, so before we move on to the final section, the um, CPD library round, is there anything you were hoping to talk about today that we haven't covered yet? Um, no, I just think. Um, you know, I would say I've got a very good relationship with the teachers of both my children, you know, and um, I think that success, you know, uh, children, successful learning for children is really a team effort. You know, it's like the triangle, you know, there's the teacher, the child and the parents involved in the learning. And um, I guess sometimes parents feel intimidated by teachers and sometimes teachers, you know, um, don't always feel as though, um, you know, they can communicate downwards either, you know, um, respecting boundaries, you know, and roles. Um, but I would say have the conversation, you know, like um, be open, ask if there's things that you can do, you know, and to help complement the learning, you know, in the classroom and vice versa for a teacher to say, you know, have those those conversations with parents even, even if they are, um, challenging or confrontational they don't need to be you know it, it, it is about communication and both of both parties have the child's best interests you know um, front and center or they should you know yeah and um, I'm sure that's something all, all parents and teachers want isn't it to be able to have that really good working relationship and that isn't always the case I know but um, it sounds like you've you've got that one Sorted. Yeah, and and I know. Look, I know that some people, you know, as parents, they haven't necessarily had the best um, school experiences themselves, and so that that can impact that you know communication channel. Um, but your child isn't you, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's 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 helpful to try and have that separation and and sort of approach it for their sake. Yeah, of course. So before we go into that final round, where can people find you? Get in contact with you what's the instagram handle they need my instagram handle that is a good question it is <laughs> um at edu um underscore research underscore corner underscore at underscore home um and it's a public account um yeah, and depending on um, how busy I am, you know, I usually post, do a couple of um, posts um, each week, you know. Um, and I do have people who ask me, you know, to research certain things, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to sort of go off on, on that tangent. But it really is um, educational research for parents, you know, uh, um, Beck. You know, I don't hold myself out there as a teacher. Um, but, yeah, it's that just my, my musings. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll try and link that in the in the notes for the, for the show because I do find it interesting seeing what you post. I'm sure other people will do too. Sign up to receive the From Page to Practice weekly newsletter to read tips and advice from my guests, as well as information on upcoming episodes. Find the link in the show notes for this episode. 
So the final round is the CPD library round. Now, now I've heard about your extensive collection of books. I'm sure you're not <laughs> going to find this difficult at all. So um, this round is all about I will give you a tight um a category and you come back with either it started as books but now it's kind of gone into books podcast person that you think fits for that category is that okay, okay. yeah sure great so the first one is first got you into evidence informed practice or oh, probably the dan willingham why don't students like school is that the right yeah. title yeah it is definitely <laughs> um yeah uh, yeah, um, resonated with you the most. Um, Tom Sherrington's The Learning Rainforest book. Um, yeah, and, good one. and I've used that analogy a lot, um, both, in, both from a learning perspective with children, but also in a work environment as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm, mm. Nice to see how you can translate something from one context into another. And often we talk about bringing books from outside of education into it, but we don't get the opportunity to hear about how books from within education are taken outside of it. So that's interesting. Yeah, that that book is gold to me. I have it in hard copy and on audio book and on my Kindle. So I've I've purchased it three times. It's everywhere. It's, uh, yeah, I just, um, I think, um, uh, you know, listening to Tom, I think he said if he wrote it again, there's things he'd, you know, um, update. But I think it's a, it's a really fascinating read, you know, and, and a good way of thinking about learning classrooms. Um, yeah. Um, challenge your views. Ooh. Um, it's probably not a... Um, uh, a book or a blog per se, but it is the um, approach that some homeschool environments take, you know, or unschoolers take to education. And um, I, um, I'm always one to try to walk in the shoes of others to try to understand their perspective, to come at it from um, a point of understanding, not judgment. But I, I, I haven't, I can't really get my head around. Um, um, you know, the whole unschooling um, body of thought, um, particularly after um, David Geary's work on biologically primary, bio- second and, and um, biologically secondary learning, um, you know, language falling into primary and then, you know, maths, reading um, and higher order thinking, you know, um, being second biologically secondary and needing that explicit instruction so yeah that 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 whole movement really challenges my um my bias um (laughs) um, but yeah (laughs) Um, that's great that's the whole idea of this question to go what is it that you've you've tried to get your head around and you just can't quite get there or some people take it a different way to something that challenged them and then did change their thinking but that's the whole point isn't it you've read something or heard about something that's challenged you which has put you out of your comfort zone for a bit and then that will move you on in, in whatever way it does yeah and and it, it's yeah it's it's moved me further it's it's been helpful to really firm up my um I, I guess my my baseline that things need to be taught explicitly and that this yes language is learned naturally but you know other things need to be taught great um, had the biggest impact on your practice? Ooh, um, oh, I, this is a, it's 
It's probably, um, I love listening to Craig Barton's podcasts. Um, um, the Mr. Bart, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Barton. Mr. Barton Maths, maths isn't it? podcast. Yeah. I love his epic, not just because they're maths. I'm a bit of a maths, you know, nerd, even though I'm a lawyer. Um, I just love those long three hour, the longer the podcast talking about um, educational research, um, the better for me. When I see that they're only 20 minutes, sometimes it's a bit of a, um, a disincentive, you know, to listen. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, Ollie Lovell, um, the education research reading room, um, have been two that I just devour over and over. And Minding the Gap by um, yeah, Emma Turner and, um, and Tom as well. Um, um, yeah, I just um, I find that there's always little bits and pieces in there, you know, that I I find I take away and 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 go further, you know, to have a look at. And that's I think something you've said that's made me think about it. You know, it, that's why it's so important that we have such a range of different things on offer for people because some people will want a quick in and out. I get something from it. Some people want that longer epic. I think I'd, I'd describe some of those episodes as. So the fact that there's so much on offer for people now that there hasn't necessarily been before, I think is is really valuable. Yeah, and look, certain accents I know this is resonate with me. Um, um, over others, um, it, it's and that's it can really impact my listen my listening you know okay, uh, yeah. time as well. So yeah, um, and the other one I love is is a recent one called Sweat the Technique with um, that Doug Doug Lamoff has started with um, Ravi Gupta, um, and um, yeah they they take education and an interview outside of the education field as well. So principles that they've developed for schools and then um, look at how that's been applied um, in other areas of... Oh, that's a new one on me. I've not heard of that. Yeah, you'll enjoy that one. You, you'll, yeah, they, sounds they good. They go uh, lots of interviews with different coaches and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's oh, really good. Oh, I'll have to take good. a look at that one. <laughs> now, this one you might want to take a slightly different way. It's normally should be required reading for a new teacher, but go for should be required reading for a, a parent wanting to get into into this kind of area yeah I guess um it's got parent in the um in the title so that should be appealing you know to, to it's one by um it's called a parent's guide to powerful teaching by oh, okay. have you heard of that one before no. yeah so I'm just looking up that's by Patrice Bain she's oh, um, I recognize the name yeah yeah <laughs> and so she worked um with uh um Dr. Pooja Ark Agua, what mm. if I think Agua? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and that's nice. I think it's about 90-odd pages. Um, I think you can get it, definitely hard copy, but Kindle and um, audio book, you know, as, as well. And it, it lays out a very persuasive argument, you know, about um, how parents, like what I said, can complement the learning um, at home. So, Great. yeah, Just that's probably been my first. Yes. Um, how many left for? Yeah. Inspired you. Ooh, um, inspired me. Uh, uh, maybe I'm just easily inspired. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's inspired me? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have one person that sticks no. out, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too broad, you know, not too broad, you know, I, I, I um, I draw, 
um, inspiration from many, many different people. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Um, your most recent read? Oh, um, what did I? Um, um, I haven't finished it yet. It's um, Emma Turner's latest uh, book, um, Igni- oh, yeah. Ignitium. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm only part way through that, but that's um, t- you're familiar with it. Then it's taking um, applying cognitive science um, or cognitive load theory in the primary setting, at the primary um, level. Yeah, yeah, and because I'm large, I, well, I am, you know, fundamentally um, primary focused at the moment, just by virtue of my children. That's been really, you know, that's been a, a good. But I'm only a third of the way, you know, sort of through that. Um, that that book but yeah that's uh, interesting a good one. take some of the areas that you've you've clearly already been reading about a bit and takes that real primary specialism to it doesn't it so I think that's a, an interesting one yeah I try to um, go broad but you know obviously looking at it from a primary setting there's a lot written for secondary um, yes there um, is yeah so yeah um, is there a book that's next on your kind of to be read pile Oh, so many, so many. It's a, <laughs> so many. What have I got sitting here waiting to yeah. be read? <laughs> this is one that I'm trying to make some time for. It's um, it's called Narrowing the Achievement Gap, and it's about okay. parental, parental engagement with children's learning by Janet Goodall. Um, okay. Again, parents learning, you know, because that's really, really is my focus. Um, of but course, it's, yeah, it brings it's, all those areas together. Together, yeah, um, and um, yeah. So that's next. That's next on the on the list. It's a, a recent ar- arrival, long time, <laughs> long time MV recent arrival. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one on my list, and people have taken this one different ways. It doesn't <laughs> exist, but should. So it could be you think there's something you'd really like to read about, and you can't find a book on it, or you found lots of bits and pieces on this one thing, but you'd love it to be brought together in one place or, but doesn't exist, Mm. but should. It's interesting because um, prior to um, Emma's latest book, I would have said cognitive load theory in the primary setting. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because I would read so much and I've delved into it and I've done courses, you know, on cognitive load theory. um, And I've taken those principles. And when I am giving instruction at home, you know, I try to apply that. Um, and now Emma's come out with this book and <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, um, uh, you know, it's like a gift, you know, uh, <laughs> for me. She was obviously uh, on the same wavelength. <laughs> she's on the same wavelength. Um, and probably the, um, you know, the other area would be um, – oh, what was I going to um, – Outside of cognitive, you know, load theory, it's it's really um, almost like a little guide for parents on um, how best to work, you know, with their children um, at home that doesn't sort of contradict what's happening in the classroom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I sort of wish there was a, a – here's a 101 to how you can, you know, work with your children. Now, Patrice has done that a little bit, but – you know, it's still 90 pages and for parents who are time poor or don't want to read it and then summarise and think about it, then, mm. you know, maybe something a little bit sharper would be uh, would be handy. 
interesting to think about isn't it I think to an extent that can possibly only be done by any individual school to say this is how we do things this is how we want you to work with us but it's it's something for schools to think about like how how they can work with parents more mm. and how we can support parents to do that because sometimes I think teachers don't realize how much parents want to do that and it's hard for us to know how to how to build that bridge I guess so yeah an interesting yeah. one to think about yeah, and I think um, I'm not sure what it's like, you know, in the UK, but um, a lot of parents, you know, feel as though they're not qualified, you know, to help their children. And so they either, you know, do nothing other than making sure that something's done um, or they employ, a tu- you know, a tutor, you know, or go to Kumon or do, you know what I mean, like they, they'll get some sort of um, um, outside help and um and so you're still, you know, you possibly left to feeling a little bit disempowered, you know, as a parent. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be another thing. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you today. It's um, yeah. it'd been really interesting to hear because, again, it's one of these conversations that I've come into going, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, you know, I haven't had a specific idea exactly what we're going to talk about. It's been really interesting for me learning a bit more about what you do and why you do it and how you do it. And, um, yeah, thank you for coming on with me today. Thank you. Thanks very much. Are you interested in evidence-informed practice? Do you have a favourite edgy book? Have an idea of what great CPD is and should be? Or to just generally have a chat about education? Please sign up to join me for a conversation. I rely on volunteers from all contexts and levels of experience. Visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast for the sign up form. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I found it really interesting chatting with Andrea and I hope you did too. I think she raises some interesting points, especially about parent-teacher relationships. I'd really like to keep the series going a bit longer, so if you'd like to join me for a chat, please do sign up. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.